Welcome back to Inside the Musical Mind. My name is Caleb Koo. For today's episode, I sat down with producer and multi-instrumentalist Al Aguilar to discuss his path and perspectives in music, from his early start as a guitar slinger in the Philippines to his time as a bass man in L.A., playing every club on Sunset Strip. And we're here with Al Aguilar. How you doing, man? Good. How you doing, Caleb? I'm doing great. So, producer extraordinaire, fantastic bass player, session guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jack of all trades. Jack of all Um, trades. So, for the listeners, tell tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me, Caleb, first of all. Um, So, my name's Al. Uh, I am a multi-instrumentalist producer engineer based in Kitchener now, but uh, I originally... I am from California, so I moved to Canada permanently in 2016, Um, lived in London, did some stuff there, and then now I live in Kitchener, and, uh, you know, I produce and uh, record and engineer. I play in a few projects, Um, and uh, uh, I have my own solo thing on spotify as sonder wild that's s-o-n-d-e-r-w-i-l-d-e and that's kind of just a showcase of you know my work and sometimes i sing sometimes it's someone else singing and you know a lot of history a lot of background and to me and you know i've done a lot of things but um yeah i'm i'm uh i'm here now and that's kind of the the fun thing so yeah jack of all trades i i remember the first time i met al i think he sat in with one of our bands and like this dude picked up a bass and just blew us all away it was crazy that was uh so that was pretty cool because that was coming out of covid yeah right and coming out of covid everybody was kind of starved for live stuff right and then i see this band they're playing uptown and i'm like you know who is the, who are these guys? And, uh, you know, not really knowing too many people in town. I, I've kind of met Caleb, you know, virtually and, and through, through, the, you know, the, the uptown music, uh, community scene and, and stuff, community. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so, you know, it was kind of cool and having a lot of people around and dancing and stuff. And, you know, I just kind of like, Hey, you know, can I play a tune with you guys? And that was fun. Um, at the time I was actually producing, uh, Maddie Holden. Yes. Yeah. So Maddie Holden, I think she's had some songs on Midtown radio too, and they've had that on rotation. I don't know, but uh, I was producing her at the time because I knew her from London, Ontario and, uh, we were working on a track. So she ended up meeting everybody too. So that kind of led to you know, some cool stuff with you guys. Absolutely, right? yeah. But yeah, that's that's kind of, uh, you know, um, what else should I say about myself? I uh, what I, I just like gear. <laughs> Caleb's my favorite uh, yeah, gear had, buddy. Some good conversations. <laughs> right? <laughs> As we're recording this, we uh, we just uh, finished Black Friday shopping. Yeah, so we're giving us a little rundown of what uh, happened. Yeah, what did you get? Yeah, you know. And uh, I know that whenever uh, there's a Sherwood or online sale in the Kitchener-Waterloo region, it's like Caleb's going to be on that. I'm, I'm the fastest clicker. Yeah, he's, he's the fastest credit card in the West. I got it saved <laughs> two clicks away. You know. 
Yeah, I'm just like I was. Uh, I was. Yeah, I, I know he's just gonna be on that website watching for deals. You so gotta that's be careful, cool. man. Anytime it comes up, you know I'm on it. <laughs> all right, let's go. Let's go back. Let's circle all the way back yeah. to California. Yeah. Right. So, were you born in California then? No, I am actually. Uh, I was born in the Philippines, and then I, uh, I, I was uh, going back and forth for a little bit in my teenage years because my mom lives in um, Santa Clarita, Southern California. For those of you who are familiar with the Santa Clarita diet uh, with Drew Barrymore, that's where I lived. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was going back and forth between uh, the Philippines and California. And then ultimately ended up living full time in California. Mm-hmm. But uh, in my in my college years, because I went to university in the Philippines, I did have a music career. Not, not a lot of people have know this. I I had a music career in the Philippines. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> I had a full on music career. I was in I was on TV shows. Um, I had a I had a song on a soundtrack in a movie, you know. And some of my friends are like big rock stars now, so that's kind of cool, you know. I never really talk about that um, yeah. outside of you know. But there was this one time when. I went to visit probably like 2015 or 2016 or something like that. No, not 2015. Probably 2013, 2012, something like that. I went back to Manila from California, and some dude recognized me. He's like, oh, yeah, you're that guitar player. Because I (laughs) basically was a guitar player um, first. and uh, That's the unfair thing. I'll just smoke you on any (laughs) instrument. So I play guitar. And then I go into music stores, and people know me. I'm a bass player. And then I go in, and I, I'm just like, you know, playing guitar. And it's like, I thought you were a bass player. I was like, yeah, I am. I am. But in the Philippines, um, I was a guitar player singer. I had a band, and I played and wrote songs and, you know, that all of that stuff. And um, when I finally decided to uh, make my way to L.A. to – you know, everybody does that at some point in their lives to pursue the dream. Um, I couldn't find a gig as a guitar player. I had some weird, weird auditions. Yeah. I was like, when I first moved there, I was just like, yeah, so this uh, this lady, you're going to be backing this lady up, and she's going to be on a swing, and <laughs> she's going to be up in the air, and your band's going to playing, you know. Sounds very L.A. It's it's like, what the hell is this, man? And it's like, you know, you go on Craigslist and, and you know, the you, you, you scour Craigslist for, like, guitar finder, player yeah. wanted, pro, pro gear and looks, blah, 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 right? And I would always get, like, you know, it, it just was, it just, this was, I'm also, like, slightly older, um, you know, also people think i'm 20 but i'm actually i was born in 1982 so i'm a little older than you know most people but around this time you know the uh it's probably like 2006 2007 um you know it was still a certain look yeah that was expected as a guitar player in la right skinny jeans you know white dude with like you know the 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 alternative kind of jazz neo soul thing wasn't really a thing at the time so I, w- I went to some weird 
weird auditions and you know never got called back and just out of frustration one time and I you know I'd, I'd already been dabbling in bass because I I was a big fan of like Tower of Power mm-hmm, and yeah. you know um, Victor Wooten I, I'm sure a lot of people you know their gateway to bass is Victor Wooten of course, or yeah. whatever J- Jocko right? maybe yeah. yeah Jocko came later though but like I loved um, I loved Led Zeppelin so yeah. one of my influences was John Paul Jones who was then apparently influenced by James Jamerson and you know out of frustration in LA I was like you know what screw this I'm gonna be a bass player and so this funny story and I'm glad we're able to talk about this now I went to a Sam Ash guitar competition (laughs) this is how I got my first bass so I went to a Sam Ash guitar competition in Sam Ash in Canoga Park and won I won a Zoom pedal. It was nice. like Zoom GX1 or some something, some stupid yeah. p- pedal that I was never going to use even as a guitar player. So I won it, <clears throat> and I and I, it's like I go to Guitar Center like the next weekend. It's like I have this pedal. What bass can I get with this <laughs> pedal? And I remember like you know this was back when Guitar Center had decent stuff and they had like Court and some other stuff. So I ended up getting a Court curbo bass okay it 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 was uh lucite it wasn't even like wood it was like this weird bass that was it clear or was it no it was red okay but it had a weird shape that you could never balance on your lap (laughs) and it was made of lucite i don't even know what it was made out of but it sounded decent it had a bartolini pickup it was active it had one pickup in it and i was like this is great i'll it's take this it's 200 <laughs> it's you know it's 300 400 bucks something like that i'll take it you know plus my trade-in value whatever mm-hmm. right so i started basically lying on my responses to craig's like, yeah i'm a bass player i've been playing for years <laughs> you know kind of Fake right till you make it man and and basically faked it till i make it and made it and then um you know i ended up like you know, I'm the type of person that if I if I kind of commit, I can't half-ass it, right? Yep. So I ended up like going deep into bass, you know, researching and just really like I I even had like a magazine subscription to Bass Player magazine, you know, like this was back when magazines yeah, were still a thing, thing. you know, going to all the things, the Nam Show stuff. Anyway, so fast forward, you know, I that's like. 10 plus years ago now i'm a bass player Mm -hmm. so that's kind of how it ended up happening and uh you know everything i've done kind of um music wise in north america has been stemmed out of annoyance or frustration i you know i and and some of you guys could probably relate to this because you know like i'm a i'm a filipino guy and you know oftentimes we you show up and you have a certain look people like kind of like write you off especially back then too. yeah this was like 2005 2006 people you know but i have some stories man it was pretty pretty fun living in la did a lot of stuff you know my and caleb will appreciate this because you know like I, i keep telling him dude you gotta do, you gotta go to the Nam show, you know, because <laughs> the first time I went was like probably two thousand and eight, yeah, or two thousand and nine, something like that. And I was like, 
what the hell is this? Like my, my bandmates, you know, got me in. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, I only ever read about it in, in magazines and, you know, you go into the Anaheim Convention Center and it's like, there's, oh, there's Steve Vai. He's walking like Ray, Marcus Miller's right there. And like, you know, everybody, like, you know, George Benson walks in. He's like, he's got his entourage, you know, like it's a whole, it was a whole thing back then. And, yeah, you know, crazy. obviously COVID killed it, but it's kind of, you know, back then it was like a thing. And, and um, I, I would go every year and, you know, trying to network and, the benefit of having a last name Aguilar is that, you know, as you're a bass player, bass player. <laughs> right. I'm a bass player and, you know, yeah. Player. So I actually, uh, know the guys or knew the guys from Aguilar cause Aguilar got sold to Korg now. Yeah. But I, I met Dave Boonshoft and I met, you know, the other guys there at the time. One of the artist guys was, uh, his name's Justin. He used to work at the amp shop and, Sherman Oaks and you know you you end up like organically meeting a lot of the people that kind of do the things and the manufacturers and stuff and and it's crazy because the music industry is big enough to seem like this massive yeah. international thing but really like no, the it's, ideas stuff comes from just a few people it's right? just really a few people yeah. honestly I was at the first aristocrats show really it wasn't even aristocrats wow. there because basically it was Brian Beller it was bass player bass bash yeah and okay. You know, Brian Beller had booked a band. He was supposed to get um, Greg Howell to play guitar. Yeah. But uh, Greg, you know, Greg is uh, an enigma, and he, he couldn't <laughs> do it for some reason. And, you know, Guthrie Govan was a firm permanent fixture of NAM, yeah. you know, f since forever. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, he was, he was working with Cornford at the time, and, you know, gave him a call, I guess, and then you know it was pretty intense. You know, one hell of a sub. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've seen Brian Beller a couple of times, but like Brian Beller with what became the Aristocrats was pretty, pretty crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's you know a lot of stories. Um, I can imagine, man. Absolutely. And, um, I I miss LA sometimes, but what I don't miss is like the the BS, right? Yeah. Like I I love being in Canada and being specifically in Kitchener mm -hmm. where, you know, I found my spot and I'm my niche and, you know, I, I'm <clears throat> kind of like my, my mission statement having moved to like, you know, Canada and, and this new city where, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. let's, let's make, let's make high level LA, LA quality music you know, production available to people who may not have otherwise access to that, yeah, right? Absolutely, so, man. You know, I'm kind of, I just moonlight as a bass player these days. That's I like to think of it like that. But my my main gig is like just producing and, and recording and engineering. You know, I have a day job now, mm -hmm. and I I like not being poor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's fun not being poor. You should try it sometimes, sometime. I, but. I do. I do enjoy having <laughs> those moments, having those good months. You know, <laughs> right? Um, uh, no, but yeah, Al's Al's worked with a bunch of local artists, like we mentioned earlier. Maddie Hogan, <coughs> he produced a, a single for her, and I think yeah. there's maybe some stuff in the works down the road. Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, you're also working with uh, Sydney Jones. I've uh, yeah, Sydney Jones, another uh, I guess um, Midtown Radio adjacent person. You know, she's she's from Elmira. 
Um, and you just get, did a thing yeah, at the jazz room the other night, right? Me accompanying Clarissa and then her with her band, the Jones and Jack. Yeah. Bands. And then, uh, she, uh, she recorded a few tracks, um, with me. It's funny. Cause it's like, you know, I just met her randomly at one of the good co shows in town. And I was just like, you know, the first time I met her, um, they were playing the market for like one of the summer up uh, downtown oh, yeah, Kitchener, Kitchener things, yeah. right? With her band. And I just start talking to her and like, you know, start talking to the band. And, you know, one of our friends, uh, Mike Phillips, was doing sound. And we just ended up like, you know, chatting. And then I guess, I guess, I guess I saw her again. I think that's what happened. I saw her again at the market, not playing this time. Mm-hmm. And then ended up going like, hey, you know, you want to go grab a drink with Mike? And we just ended up going to like Sugar Sugar Run. Um, is that the place? The the speakeasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, just ha- ended up chatting and, you know, one thing led to another. And, and then I ended up working with her and, you know, really happy with the stuff that we've done. Mm-hmm. I've heard some of it. Sounds um, absolutely phenomenal. There's one out right now. It's called "Wait to Be Found," and uh, you know that's uh, that's. I'm really proud of that because we're we're really kind of channeling some some good '90s references in there. If you can, if you listen to it and you know break it down, you know you'll hear it, <laughs> and it's pretty cool. So yeah, no, and that's. I think that's that's a really good message to see, like so much of music like like any any other industry but especially music it's just built in these communities just kind of yeah. being around and just knowing people and just being showing your face at places yeah right? and and i'll be honest there's really no difference between los angeles toronto kitchener london ontario yeah um the common thread and i've i should write a manual on how to move to a new city should, and Absolutely. meet people <laughs> because it's really the same process. Um, you know, obviously in LA there's multiple circles, you know, and niches and all of that. But mm-hmm. the one thing that I can say about, you know, putting yourself out there and meeting people is you got to go, you just got to go. You got to be visible and talk to people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, kind of i moved to california not knowing anybody (laughs) because i was you know like i said i was like this semi rock star in the philippines in my university days and you know you kind of get your ass handed to you a little bit because you're like you know you go you go you're you you know you know everybody people everybody knows who you are that's just around the time you know People know who you are in the Philippines and you're kind of like hanging out with whom, you know, whomever. And uh, then you move to L.A. and nobody cares. Right. You can't even get a guitar gig. But what I've learned from that is, you know, it it kind of it's kind of good that my ego got squished pretty, pretty hard like that because it forces you to not have to buy into your own BS. Mm -hmm. Right. And you actually have to be good. Yeah. No, for sure. Who is it? Um, I think it was Steve Martin that said, you know, you have to be undeniably good to make it or peop- to be noticed, yeah. right? Like, like no, 
no bullshit, nothing. You just have to be good. Yeah. And, and if you can be absolutely good, then the other stuff can come and people will notice you, right? So, you know, that's kind of been my my thing. It's like just, just you know, and, and with anything, just, um, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and, and just work at it, right? Like I was... I started playing bass full time and I'm, I'm dating myself here. I was 25. Yeah. <laughs> I had played guitar from 13, 12, 13, you know, 11, 12, like that to like 25. Yep. And then 25, I was like, I'm going to be a bass player now, yeah. you know? And one of the things that I wanted to do, and this is kind of how I got to, you know producing and whatnot was i uh i basically didn't want to be and this i don't want to be like the old one of the old guys just like you know haunting la you know there's many many songs written about this but but like you know like when when you when you hang out on the sunset strip enough and you meet enough people like the guy that sold me my guitars at Sam Ash in Hollywood was like the, f the world's premier Paul McCartney impersonator. His name is w Mitch Wiseman. Okay. okay. And he was like, he was friends with a kiss guys. So he had like co-writes with kiss. He had like writing credit and, you know, like he had pictures of himself playing with Bon Jovi at the China Club in yeah. like the 80s and like, you know, pictures outside, you know, like he was like was a, a guy. He was, he was guy like he scene. was if he was part of this like Broadway musical in the 70s called Beatlemania. And he was like he looked like Paul McCartney in the 70s. But if you look up Beatlemania and then Mitch Wiseman, he, you know, and then, and you know, like stuff happens. Right. And then. He, you know, he ended up like just working at Sam Ash selling guitars and, yeah. you know, like I, I, nothing wrong with that. But I didn't want to be like the old guy playing, you know, clinging onto those straps. Of yeah. Playing Paladinos at, uh, you know, like in your like 60s playing like ACDC covers, you know, so. My whole thing was like, all right, I want to age out of this thing gracefully. I don't want to do the band thing like, you know, <laughs> Caleb will know this. There's a, there's a lot of blues dads in Kitchener. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't want, I don't want to be a blues dad or like, you know, one of the nothing wrong with that. But like I wanted to like kind of evolve as I got older. Right. And part of that was like getting more into production and yeah, sure. ushering in like kind of the next crop of you know, having a hand in that and trying kind to shaping this. Yeah. Like thing. kind of being a little bit more in the back background and influence, you know, kind of recording and producing and writing, you know? Yeah. So guess what? You couldn't do that in LA cause everybody was doing that in LA. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. And, uh, and I was like, I'm done. Like I was basically done 2016. I was like, I'd been in a few projects, you know, I helped um, help one of my singer songwriter friends, not going to name names, get like a management deal. Yeah. And uh, she ended up signing with this dude who used to manage, you know, half of the talking heads. And 
guess what? Replace the entire band, yeah. you know, with and I'll Nicole Rowe on bass from she's playing she's touring with Incubus now and like mm-hmm. Ariana Powell on guitar. She was like Olivia Rodrigo and Halsey. Yeah, yeah. she plays with Halsey. Yeah. Like you know, like these are all hired guns. And I think she had like Beyonce's keyboard player or something crazy like that every gig they were getting paid like you know (laughs) probably at least 200 bucks right meanwhile you know the guys that did the showcase and and did the the work to get did the the work to get her right you know get her signed and all of that axed (laughs) nothing (laughs) right to the curb yeah we were basically like all right all right whatever you know that and a couple of other things right like i was in a band that you know, had some pretty good uh, traction. We were like, you know, Line Six was like giving us free stuff because they were yeah. wanted us to be their artists. And what, this was before Yamaha even bought them. And uh, we recorded a record, and it still hasn't got come out to this day. <laughs> it's like, Experience come on, man, drive. just, just yeah. It's like it's somebody's hard drive sitting around, and it's like. You know, floppy disk. We're, the joke is we're just waiting for like the late 90s to come around because we're kind of in the mid 90s right now. Yeah. We're waiting for the late 90s to come around and then we'll release it. But it's still sitting in a hard drive somewhere. It's all mixed. The dude who mixed it, you know, is named Mark DeSisto. And he did he worked with Don Henley yeah. on Age of, uh, Age of Innocence. And I'm just like, we spent all this money. So like I was done. Right. I was just like. Screw this. I'm done. I'm just going to get out of L.A., you know, um, and kind of kind of try to do my own thing. And fortunately, because my dad uh, had immigrated to Canada, mm-hmm. took us along. I you know, I we originally drove up to B.C. and uh, ended up not living in B.C. because he moved to Alberta. And so I was like, no, I'm going to go back to L.A. So I ended up living back in L.A., but like because of my dad, I was able to uh, move to Canada. Yeah. And uh, it was it was uh, August of 2016 that I, you know, packed up my my Kia Soul (laughs) and drove across the country five days to uh, Canada. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, moved to London, Ontario, because at the time, that's where my partner was living. And when I moved to London, Ontario, it was a lot harder to meet people than L.A. Yeah, because well, L.A. less supply, right? Well, also, I don't know what it is about London, but <laughs> you know, I don't live there anymore. I can say whatever, but like people, people down there think they're hot shit. Yeah, I I'm gonna say they that now. That L.A. ego check, you know, yeah. and like. You you go you go to like you know I I was you know when you move to a new city, the first thing you got to do is go to the music store, yep, and do recon and just like talk to guys and just like hey you know, and that's what I did and it's like oh yeah there's uh you know some jams going on or whatever mm-hmm. ended up hearing about going to you know and everybody's like the same every it's around the time like probably like maybe August. Not, I didn't really start playing till like November. Mm-hmm. So around November sure. 2016, you know, you're like, hey, you know, you try to be friendly, you just try to talk to people, and just like, you know, and they kind of give you this like, the hell are you, yeah. right? And it's funny because it's like, you know, I hate to, I hate to say this, and can, can I swear? Yeah, go for it. 
you know, I'm a motherfucker. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm not gonna, I'm just not saying that because I put in the work, right? Yeah. And you know, I'm super low key about that stuff. But like, you know, it's funny because like you'll see people's attitudes like instantly flip. Like they'll give you like it the is the funniest thing, the London cold shoulder. And then you get on stage and play, and then you you know you play really well, and they're, they're like, "Oh man, you sh- we should jam." Like, dude, I would have I would have been totally down to jam with you if you weren't a dick to me before I got on stage. That is, it's the funniest thing that's happened to me so many times. You know, because I come in as this like young yeah, little just Asian like, kid. Yeah, and and you know I'm used to it, right? You yeah. can probably relate. Like you're you're you know you're of the Asian persuasion. Yeah. You know, you show up, and you know, oftentimes, and it's even worse in the states, but like you know here. People just kind of like, okay, you know. Um, it's just funny. It and I had short hair at the time. <laughs> I had short hair at the time. I had cut my hair. Yeah. And what, I, what I've learned is, <laughs> you know, the, the thing that works for me is having long hair. Yeah. Because it at least tells people, okay, this dude's a musician. He's got something, or, he's going, got on. something going, he's got something on, going on, right? Because sh- <laughs> I showed up. It's like I had, like, short hair and, yeah. like, you know. I mean, it was it was, you know, like I had that, like, mid to 2010s fade that everybody had right the the thing i they can't even describe it (laughs) but you know like people and that's that's kind of what i've learned is is you know as as someone who's experienced that i've always championed like diversity and you know like i don't care like i'll talk to anybody right i'm not gonna write anybody off from the get-go because i've had that experience right and you know like there'll be people that you you, like caleb like i totally like unassuming dude like plays you know plays really great guitar and i'm like this is great you know so but yeah so that's kind of how i ended up anyway i was i lived in london for like five years ended up meeting some really great people after after the initial you know, once you, it's, WTF it's like, moment, like prison a little bit. Like you got to show up and yeah. be like the biggest guy and just yeah, like you, prove you, your dominance, right? I, you know, it's funny because you know I have a day job, right? And and that's kind of my favorite analogy. It's like when you're starting a new thing, yeah. it's like prison. Yeah. You get in there. I've, I've said that for a long time. <laughs> quickly establish dominance, take on the biggest guy, yeah. so people leave you alone. Absolutely, right? And the biggest guy could be a metaphor for like the hardest problem the biggest client the mm-hmm. hardest you know challenge or whatever yeah, but you gotta know? make a statement when you when yeah you, you, you just gotta you know so yeah i ended up playing with with a couple of people and then the, the most recent um band that i played with is uh sunshine makers so they're still active i'm i'm uh taking a step back from from that just because you know well, the, you so much stuff well the on, i got i got stuff going on and you know, I, I, I was having to drive to London for rehearsals, mm-hmm. um, which was like an hour and a half yeah. each way. So it's like, I can't sustain this right now. So, you know, um, but, you know, I'm I'm on call. I'm on call in, in case they need me. But uh, that was uh, that was a good chunk. And I joined them in 2018 and, and you know, from 2018 to like. 2023 we yeah. were i was playing with them actively it's a recurring theme among all the guests <laughs> it's the fact that being a musician is so much more driving than anybody expects oh yeah yeah <laughs> so much more driving i tell all my students who, who are like okay caleb i want to caleb go to music you've driven day. to toronto 
what how many times like you're there was a period like i think like i think every other week every other day you were in there toronto was a, period a couple months back when i had all these like toronto sessions and gigs and stuff and i would be literally driving to toronto every single day and right driving back for like the silliest things right <laughs> we're not gonna name names but uh <laughs> i know i know the stories oh yeah um but yeah like you know and man I hate driving to Toronto. Let's just say that. Just like, I hate driving it's to Toronto. It's a waste of time. Because, you know, if, if it's like, I remember, because I remember I used to live in St. Catharines when I was younger. Right, And it right. would be a straight hour from St. Catharines to downtown Toronto. Yeah. But, like, now with the traffic, because I, like, I could do the drive. Because from, what, Kitchener to Toronto, it's, like, maybe, like, an hour 20 without traffic. Right. Which is fine. I can do that drive, like, eyes closed. But when it's, like, you hit the traffic and right. it turns into it's two, always It's always at the Mississauga hours. bottleneck. Yeah. The and mi- it's just once the Mississauga bottleneck comes, you're just like, ugh. And at the time, I had a stick shift. And I was like, oh, I, I ain't doing this no more. No. Back and forth. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, and now it's, just, it's a little so easier a, with a new car. And it's a, yeah. But like, it's, it's such a waste of a pain time. In the ass. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then you get there and then, you know, it's like the Gardner Expressway, you know, God forbid there's a Jays game or something because yep. like you're never going home. Nope. You know, like. <laughs> I remember I, I wasn't in Toronto at the time, but like the Ed Sheeran concert oh. happened, <laughs> and uh, and then there was a Jays game at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Actually, I had people that were dro- stuck in Toronto for hours. Yeah. Remember we went to see, go see Tom Mish. Oh yeah, yeah, at yeah. Echo Beach, and that was the exact same weekend as the was C&E. there like a yeah. So was yeah, the, that the was crazy, man. Like, and we were in traffic for oh, what three man. hours getting home. Yeah, or something. It's yeah. stupid. <laughs> it's like surely there's a better way you know absolutely yeah i wish i wish the go train ran later yeah (laughs) you know or a go bus or anything where i just like you know i mean find parking yeah like whatever oh man that would be so great because like everything i do and i'm sure you can relate to this everything i do in toronto is like ends at like midnight yeah or later right so it's like by the time you're done it's like you can't catch a train back so you got to drive, right? And anyway, that's that's the one thing I don't like about driving to Toronto is just like, you know, and let's just let's just hate on Toronto a little bit cuz <laughs> like it's the same like everybody there like, you know, this is what I like about living in Kitchener. Everybody's super nice. You can have a conversation with somebody, you know, and and they'll be they'll be cool with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody I at least from my experience, you know, I can't really speak for everybody else, but from my experience in Toronto, it's like everybody's like, you know, got their shields up. Yep. And there was this one time where I was parking and I was just like randomly talked to a lady who was like walking down the street. Hey, do you know if I can park here? And she kind of like, you know, like cannot compute. Like I could see in her face that why is this dude talking to me? Yep. You know, and then after it kind of registered, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a person, you know, then she kind of talked to me. But, like, I would get that a lot. And, like, everybody has their shields up and, you know, typical big city, you know, kind of thing. And funny thing is it's worse in, worse in Toronto than L.A. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. The, 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 this is what I've learned. The more legit you are, the less you have to prove. Yeah. Okay. The less you have to prove, you know, the more low key you are about stuff, right? Yeah. I've met some and I've been I'm friends with some bad motherfuckers. Yeah. That you know. Yeah, you know that, some guys. That, that I know some people, <laughs> right? 
But you talk to them, and they're the kindest, most low-key dudes, yeah. right? Except maybe Vinny Colaiuta. <laughs> he's a cranky <laughs> asshole. Let's just say There's it. some exceptions yeah, to every rule, yeah, right? But he's good. Yeah. I'm just going to say that now. I don't care. Um, but, like, you know, you, you – so, so it's like – the people that have more to prove have the have the bigger egos, yeah, right? Absolutely. And that's kind of what I feel. That what's what? Not everybody, of course, but I've seen this in Toronto. It's mm-hmm. like there's like a lot of like posturing and like you know bravado and like oh you know, but you know you you have to, just like a big city, you have to find the pockets of people that are authentic and that do the thing that yeah. you love. And there are those. Absolutely. I'm not going to knock Toronto completely, right? But it's it's such a difference from living in Kitchener-Waterloo, you know, where everybody's like, you know, because let's be honest, everybody's super cool in this city. You know, they're they're all nerdy in a good way. Yeah. And, you know, you got some, some pretty cool it's people here. It's the perfect size where it feels big enough to have diversity, yeah. but it's small enough it still yeah. feels like a community, right? And we're all... Yeah, it's totally... Super, it's super cool. You know, like I remember coming up to Kitchener-Waterloo I don't think I was living here yet. Um, my partner was, and uh, it's probably like twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. I don't know. Remember. People were still playing Pokemon Go in the park, and I was like, "This is cool," <laughs> you know. This is fun. And yeah. then you would, uh, I think there was like we would go uptown, and I, you remember the Jedi that would just walk walk up. Yes, up I do. And, yeah. yeah. So like, this is super cool. This is like. You know, so and and you know, we're we're my partner and I are super nerds. Like we're big nerds. I'm a big you know sci-fi. I'm a Trekkie and all of that stuff. And you know, it's super cool being here and you know going to like what's that game store next to Canada Computers? You know what I'm talking about? I know, I know the one. I can't. Yeah, and then as you go in there, and there's a dude that works there that just knows how to how all the games work. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, I'm not a big board games guy, but, like, you know, my partner is. And so we went in there one time. It's like, oh, yeah, do you have any questions? And he would just explain. You point to a random board game. He would explain the game to you. And it was crazy. It's like, you know, there's people like that in this city that are just nerdy and awesome. Yeah. And and that's kind of cool, you know. So I, I, I'm really happy to be in Kitchener-Waterloo, um, you know. And, and I feel like, you know, you, you – Things gotta happen for a reason, and and that uh, you know I'm a firm believer in that, and and I'm really happy about kind of the the community of musicians that I'm starting to meet and starting to kind of be involved with. Um, as we're recording this, we're in the Goodco building, so yeah. you know they're Street. they're doing some pretty cool stuff, and and you know having been involved kind of in a little way like peripherally or or you know maybe occasionally emceeing it's fun you yeah, know like absolutely. it's really fun and well even in this same building yeah right, we've got like the just ideas the producers yeah there's a whole bunch of people in this building nominated stuff and that that do cool stuff and right and that's the kind of vibe that i appreciate is like you know we're you're trying to build something from the ground up right you're 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 starting you're trying to build a scene you know and this is what i like about you know these types of cities and towns and there's an interview um uh with the black keys because they they're from ohio and you know they kind of came up with a similar in a similar environment where it's like everything's diy and they were saying like yeah had we had we been in la 
you know, and like some some hotshot record producers yeah, like whispering, yeah, to, uh, to polish to oblivion, lose, right? Yeah, you lose all your character, right? and 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 that's kind of what I've noticed is like because you're in like these pockets like Kitchener and like London and like you know, there's these little scenes to pop up and you know people people kind of do the grassroots thing and they they you know do their own scene and a lot of the, the stuff is diy the sounds and the music that come out of that are very very refreshing mm-hmm. um in that they're not bound by they're not doing it to get signed yep. yeah, <laughs> you <absolutely>. know because <laughs> i've been in a few bands in la and i've seen a few you things they really just just and it's just like ticking all the let boxes me let me off, check right? like okay so there's this one band um the neighborhood okay right yeah remember them sweater weather yep. yeah so i ended up like they ended up opening for a band that i went to see at the troubadour i didn't really care about the neighborhood you know and you could tell like oh yeah dad dad works in the industry you know kind of vibe <laughs> you can just tell yep. like they all live in like woodland hills and yes. like you know calabasas and stuff like that and you know just that kind of like they were put together by you know yep. kind of thing and industry band. yeah like where are they are where where are they now like you know that that kind of stuff doesn't necessarily it's not organic it sometimes it works but like half the time it's just like you got to have a good foundation but i think it kind of goes back to what you're saying right? earlier about like the fact that when you walk in the room i always tell people like especially my students it's like when you walk in the room the first note you play has to sound like a million bucks like you have to be yeah so 100 percent authentically there and good then that's like the baseline because every great yeah, musician like, is just you that's know. your baseline and it's the same thing to bands you have to be 100 percent there and authentic yeah like right? you, i because people can i have tell. a i have a very finely tuned uh bullshit radar now yeah. And you can tell when, like, right away. you know, like you can tell when a band is like trying too hard, or like you know, there's a lot of, you know, and and I guess having having that drilled into you, and like you know, because I I, I I'm not ashamed to say I played every club in the Sunset Strip, <laughs> right? Um, it's a badge of honor that you can you know, or something. Uh, but like the funny thing is, side note. Um, the, they, you know, like, yeah, you, you've played the, the, it's all ticket selling, man. It's yeah. just like pay to play. Yeah. You know, I played the rainbow, mm-hmm. right? Back when the rainbow was still, I guess there's still a thing. I don't know anymore. The Roxy. I played the Roxy. I played the Viper Room. Yeah. I played the whiskey, yeah. right? I played the cat club <laughs> when there was a cat club and it was all pay to play. It was stupid. It yeah. was like, you know, me wide eyed. Oh my God. Yeah. We're going to play the, we're going to play the Viper room. Legendary oh my venue God. This or, is great. Yeah. Johnny Depp, you know, used to own the Viper room. Yeah. And then you get there and it's just like another crap. Just whatever, nobody right? cares about your band yeah. because you know, everybody's bringing their own crowd because they're sell they're having to sell like, you know, 25 tickets or whatever. And it's just like, this is very, I was very disillusioned by that, yeah. you know? And, uh, so, yeah, but anyway, going back to to what I was saying is like you the 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 crop of talent that's coming up that I'm seeing in the region, mm-hmm. just in the region alone. Yeah, um, not even talking about other parts of Ontario is just phenomenal. And and um, you know my goal is to kind of help them get to that next level, like get that really polished sound yeah. that you would be able to get at a fancy you know 
LA studio, like East West or whatever. And let's be honest, a lot of these studios are going down. Like Capital just went down. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. I think Sunset Sound is the last bastion. Side note, okay. Okay. A lot of sad no- side right. notes here. That's what we live for, man. It's so, good. speaking of studios, so by, when I lived in LA, I went to a guitar repair guy. Yep. And I've spent so much money with this dude. Like, he's invited me over for, like, Christmas. You know, this is the kind of money I... Like, I would buy a new guitar. I would bring it to Eric's. It was Eric's Guitar Shop in Reseda, California. His place was right behind where they did the uh, West Coast Customs for Pimp My Ride. (laughs) Side note, right? Yeah. So I would go down there all the time. It's super close, like 20, 20, 30 minutes from where I live. But um, I'd, I'd be going there since, like, 2007 you know like i said i put his kids through college the amount of money i spend there um down the street it was on cabrito road and and i only found this out because like you know like i said i didn't grow up in california you know like the way other people did right but um down the street was sound city (laughs) and i only realized this like when the documentary Sound City came out, the Dave Grohl thing came out, yeah, and it was kind of like this like moment of, of like that. <laughs> holy cow! It's like you know, like I, I don't know if you read the Da Vinci Code or seen like is that moment when like you know Tom Hanks realizes what ground he's standing on, yeah. and you know he's there and he just like you know has this moment. It was that. It was like oh my god, I've been coming to this place for years. And it's literally down the street. And I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Fast forward to 20, 2022 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've been I've been visiting California for a while now, going back, visiting my mom. And, you know, Eric's guitar shop moved actually in the same comp to the same complex where Sound City is at. <laughs> and I would go down there. And, you know, I, I, I had, like, some stuff that I needed to get fixed, like, you know. And I was like, hey, Eric, who owns the, the studios? Oh, yeah, some, some you know, some new people bought it, blah, 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 blah. You know, so it's not really Sound City anymore. Yeah. Um, I know they still call it Sound City, but it's not Sound City anymore, right? Yeah, the room's still the same, and... I think Universal Audio just released a plugin that emulates that room. But, like, there are no, you know, it's it's like just there's a handful of studios in L.A. that are still around because recording technology has gotten so good. And, you know, like, it was crazy expensive. Like, nobody, like, if you're an up-and-coming artist, you know, Nobody's getting signed. Let's be honest. Yep. Nobody's getting signed. Nobody's getting advances. Yeah. The record industry is messed up. There's a much different path right? now than there used to you be. Know, and you can't, you can't, you know, like, let's be honest, right? Who is it? Gracie Abrams. Mm-hmm. Let's say Grace. She's J.J. Abrams' daughter. Yeah. Right? So... You know, let's let's just say like you know her career was well funded from yes. the start, but no, but not a lot of of people have J.J. Abrams That's money, father, yeah. right? <laughs> and so you can't you can't really you know because 
oh god i've been part of like so many stupid projects where it's like a momager that's like oh yeah you know we're getting a band together it's my you know my daughter's the singer and you know and it's like you gotta have a yeah it was just like one of those things and i i remember i had to audition for like so the dude that was the musical director was the keyboard player from uncle jesse's band from full house oh really oh yeah and all these it, California yeah it was back. it was crazy it was just like you know and he had this like really bad like wig that, you know like oh, you geez. could like you know and I'm just like anyway it was it was crazy how people how, how there's so many things of this sort that I've been involved in but my point being is it's like you know I want to be able to give people access to the kind of quality that you would get in a professional environment yeah. right i do everything in my basement you don't have to have you know half of the like people don't realize most of the greatest records of all time were recorded in like houses living rooms garages you know shitty rooms Absolutely. where the sound was not you know like you know songs from big pink <laughs> the the band yeah. <laughs> let's just say that right and their second record was recorded at sammy davis's pool house like they they you know Red Hot Chili Peppers recorded in a like a, a mansion, a, mansion yeah. a haunted mansion yeah, in a L.A. Right, house. and and people the people forget that people somehow there's this weird notion of like especially with like the you know the younger or the I would say you know the more novice the less experienced ones you know singer songwriters it. or bands that oh yeah we have to have a really great studio like we have the, to put a bunch picture. of money that's the picture you see in your head right right you know we have to like you know be in a like a east west type set no no you don't no. you know why because you you have so much technology available now like we're recording this podcast holy crap on a laptop on a table and you set know set it up in two minutes focus right interface yeah. you know by the way focus right was started by rupert neve so you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like everything is just at your – you just know – you just want to have you, – you have to have the know-how. That's the only thing, right? Every, you can do anything with technology Really, now. it's the only thing holding you back from doing literally anything in the world with right? yourself yeah. almost, right? There's so much technology out there, right? Yeah. And what I found is, especially with singer-songwriters, they're afraid of technology. <laughs> they're afraid of MIDI. Yep. You know how I learned MIDI? Just by going into it and diving into yeah, it, right? You do it. You make some mistakes. You, you show up. Out, right? you, you just go into it. You know, you just have to have that mindset of, like, I'm not afraid to fail, right? So when I moved to London, nobody wanted to work with me yeah. because, you know, I'm this new guy trying to be producer, right? And so I ended up just, you know what? I can sing. Yeah. I'll just do my own shit, yeah. you know? Spoiler alert. I ended up doing a song that was heavily like kind of like a love letter to LA and my love for the eighties mm -hmm. and that sound and vibe. And one of my friends was like, you should get Tim Capello to play sax on it. By the way, Tim Capello is the uh, Tina Turner sax player. He's the shirtless oiled guy from lost boys. <laughs> so I emailed the dude and he responds back and guess who's on my record, Tim Capello. Yeah. You know, Fast forward to like three years later, he's doing the horror circuit, you know, because he does that on the side and he's in London for, you know, for the fan, the horror fan thing. Yeah. And I meet him. He's a super cool dude, you know. 
But this guy was Tina Turner's sax player and Peter Gabriel's keyboard player. <laughs> he was actually a really good piano player in the 70s. So he ended up rebranding himself to a sax guy yeah. <laughs> in the 80s. But he, he was like he was on tour with Peter Gabriel. You can see videos of him like, you know, pre you know, pre Peter Gabriel blowing up. It's it's him, Tony Levin, um, a couple of other guys that I'm not remembering right now. And Tim Capello is playing keys. Yeah. So he's playing the the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, like that you know, Tony Banks' his part and you know, really well. Yeah. But anyway, so I have Tim Capello and all of that and you know the whole idea was like I'm gonna I'm just gonna create a portfolio of stuff yeah. that I've done so that I can you know like a, sh- a body of work totally and, yeah and so you can show people and yeah stuff. and and I have no problem getting buy-in from from people now mm-hmm. uh, you know um, because I have that body of work but like man was it a pain in the ass to get oh, like yeah. anybody to sing on like Sondra Wilde was supposed to be a duo and you know the 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 female singer that i was working with bailed yeah (laughs) you know i get a text like um i can't do this my dad died and it's like okay good good excuse i can't you know (laughs) whatever right so it's just it it became this me with uh, other people but you know like i just i just really feel that i have a lot to offer in terms of you know um the kind of the experience and the technical know-how and and the 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 polish that I don't necessarily hear in in a lot of recordings. Absolutely. Well, you've got you know? you've got the chops, right? You've got the history, you've got the experience, you got the 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 know-how and the yeah. the musicality aspect. Well, you right? know, that's so. the thing, right? Like think I the kind the way I think about this is to be a good producer, it's kind of like you have to be like 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 the manager of like a McDonald's, yeah. right? <laughs> um, you have to know how to work everything in that McDonald's, yep. right? If the cook's out, you need to be able to get in and, and learn how to make hamburgers or do be able to do that. Yeah. Or you need to work cash register. You need to know how to close up. You need to know how to, you know, fix the ice cream machine yep. when it breaks down. So, you know it's not a glorious job. Like there's a lot of like producer, you know, like hype around producing, but at the very core of it, you're managing a McDonald's, Mm -hmm. right? You just got to know how everything works. Like a lot of jobs in music, honestly, (laughs) you really break them down. Yeah. You're, you know, like you're, you're the manager of Walmart. Yeah. Right. You gotta, (laughs) you gotta do what you gotta do to get the job done. Right. That's, that's a producer to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. um, All right, man. Well, we're coming to the end here. Is there any, I don't know, like last bits of wisdom that you maybe want to lay on us. So like the the question I always ask is like, <laughs> if you were to look back to when you first started playing music, maybe back in the Philippines or back when you started in LA, is there anything that you would do differently now with the knowledge that you have going back then? Good question. Um, yes. Okay. I'm going to think about that for a second sure. because that is a very good question. If I could be armed with the knowledge that, um, I think I think it would be don't buy too many guitars. <laughs> oh man, I made that mistake already. <laughs> Should have told me that 2 years like, ago, dude. <laughs> you know, I've 
everybody's come gone down this road. Every musician's gone down this road where it's like, if I get that guitar, my life will be better. Yeah. And I will play better. Yeah. True to some, to some extent. I think there's a degree. Where there's matters, a degree, right? right? But my advice is stop buying shitty gear because it's cheap. Yeah. Save your money. Buy the good stuff straight away. Yeah. Right? If you told me this when I was 15, I wouldn't I would stop like settling for like, oh, this one's this one's like, you know, just oh, but it's 500 sale, bucks and this, it, right? this is great and this will do. It's like, no. Yeah. And then you and then you're tired of that um, you know, a year or two years later because yeah. it doesn't fit what you need, and right? It's so it's always something in the back of your head that like you wanted that yeah. one, but you you're settling, for this one. right? Yeah, Don't yeah. settle for 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 like save your money, right? Don't buy too many guitars. Find one or two that you like, yep, and keep them, yep, for the and it, save it, save for them. Like if it's an American standard, whatever. I don't it doesn't matter, right? Save your money. Don't buy too much shit gear. Save your money for the good stuff. Yeah. And then you'll have a lot more um, confidence that it's, you know, in, in the instrument. Mm-hmm. Right. Because sometimes, like, is it the instrument or is it me? Yeah. Right. And sometimes we all fall into this, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's the blame games. Yeah. This guitar's intonation's not, whatever. Right. Whatever it is. But yeah. And and you'll have more money to spend for other things. Yeah, and it's it's so easy to fall into that trap, especially as a guitar player and a bass player. Oh yeah, player. yeah. I'm a get, it's such a I'm a gear nerd place. to this day, but like yeah. well, even me, man. If I, if, <laughs> if if I had known this in my youth, where it's like you know just you know maybe play play the guitar you have right now for a little longer. Yep. Don't get too excited. Don't get too infatuated yep. with the new thing or whatever it is that, you know, maybe, you know, you'd, and that just comes with time. You just don't know as, as a young player, you don't know gear and you can only play one at a time, right? right? You don't know (laughs) gear and you're just like, you know, but yeah. And, and on that note, find somebody that's knowledgeable about that kind of stuff instead of, you know, that'll save you so much time and money and heartache pick that one <laughs> right yeah. yeah right like somebody that'll go like yeah that's the one you want yeah. right and this is so important because i've gone to music stores <laughs> before we end right side note i've gone to music stores where nobody knows anything about anything <laughs> and like dude you know there's funny story like i was at lime McQuaid a couple of months ago yeah. and some dude some kid comes in and mom's buying him his first guitar a first electric guitar and they're they're on the wall. They're shopping. You know, they're looking at this giant wall, and you know they they're none the wiser. They don't know, yeah. right? <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, this is me when I was 12. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go in here, and I'm gonna see make a suggestion. Yeah. So I got that 250 uh, $250 Yamaha Pacifica. Yeah. On the wall that was used, and I said, Have you tried this? <laughs> You know, just point them in the right direction. You know, it's funny that I had to do that. Yep. And I know, not, the, not the guy that's the work there, right? But yeah. like, you know, anyway. So I f- found out later on that they ended up buying that guitar and mom <laughs> ended up getting him a pedal because they saved so much money <laughs> on the guitar. You should have gotten the commission, man. Right? 
Well, you know, they I I'm an I'm unofficially working for Lyle McQuaid apparently, so. Yeah. But you know, it's like stuff like that. You just got to you just got to have somebody that knows what they're doing that can guide you. Absolutely, right? so, man. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being on, man. I appreciate all the insight and Oh, the this wisdom. was a lot of fun, dude. Yeah. Anytime.